Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We've been in this series called 10. We've been in this series called 10. This is week seven. And we've been talking about the 10 qualities of a disciple. If you're just joining us, we're talking about 10 different qualities. There are more than 10 qualities of a disciple, but we have chosen 10 different qualities that we see in the scripture of someone who is called to be a disciple. And we get our text for the whole series in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. It says, therefore go, this is Jesus speaking. Therefore go and make disciples to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all the commands I have given you. And I I am sure of this, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I want you to go and make disciples. And so we understand and see the importance of being a disciple. And all throughout the text of the scripture of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see Jesus talking about being a disciple and teaching his disciples how to live. And we believe that we are called to be disciples of Christ. We've been talking about through this series the difference from a believer and a disciple. We, I've been saying this every, ser- every ser- sermon, excuse me, in the beginning of the message, and that is this. We're, we're teaching the difference from a believer and a disciple, but we're not saying being a believer is bad. In fact, we know that being a believer is how it starts. Our relationship with God starts with believing in Him. The Bible says if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts, that Jesus is Lord and he's been raised from the dead, the Bible says we are saved. So salvation starts with believing. We can't earn it. We can't work to get it. We don't deserve it. We believe and we receive salvation because we believe, because of what Jesus did for us. But then it can't just stop at believing. It has to then go, our faith has to go into action. We have to walk out and live the way God has called us and created us to live. And that being said, that's what discipleship or being a disciple is. It's walking out and living and walking out our salvation the way he's called us to. That being said, we've been talking about the difference from a believer and a disciple. Today, I wanna talk to you about the quality that I see, number seven. Again, they're not in order. We just just, just take seven and we're just saying here, I mean, we take 10, excuse me, 10 different ones that we think are important. Number seven today, I want to talk to you about a disciple is one who shares the good news. A quality of a disciple is one who shares the good news. One who shares the good news. I want to show it to you in Matthew chapter nine in verse 36. It says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. This is Jesus that they're talking about. Because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This is Jesus speaking. He's looking at his disciples. He's trying to teach them what it looks like to be a disciple and what it really is. He says, I want you to know, you see, there's so many people, the harvest. It's, there's such a great need there's such an incredible need. There's people that are so far from God. And he says, the, the harvest is great, but there are laborers and the laborers are few. He says, so pray for laborers. Who are the laborers? It's you and I. 
we oftentimes can think the laborers are people that work at a church or pastors at a church, but really the laborers are the people that are a part of the church, part of the body of Christ. We are all called to share the good news and what Jesus did and who he is in our lives. I want to read you Luke chapter 19, really the text that we're going to talk about today. Starting in verse 1, it's a very famous story in the Bible. It's the story of Zacchaeus, and you may know it. And in verse 1, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. I feel for a brother. I don't like that you laughed. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus, and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and looked, looked, took Jesus excuse me, to his house with great excitement and joy, but the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood up before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord. If I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. And in verse 10, it says, for the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. The Son of Man is talking about himself. Jesus has come to seek and save those who are lost. It doesn't say Jesus came to seek those who believe. It doesn't say Jesus came to seek those who, who have gone to church their whole lives. It doesn't say he came to seek and save those who know a bunch of scriptures. It says he came to seek and save those who are lost, far from God, don't know God, and here is what we know and we understand. Jesus sees this man, Zacchaeus. There's crowds of people. People everywhere were missing Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is trying to look over the crowd, and people were so consumed about hearing about Jesus and being caught up in the crowds that they missed this person who was far from God, who was trying to get to know God and try to get to know Jesus, but couldn't see the, through the crowd. And so Zacchaeus runs ahead on, and, and climbs a tree. Jesus sees him, the scripture says. It says he sees him in the tree through the crowds. I wrote this down. Believers focus on the crowds. Disciples focus on the lost in the crowd. Believers focus on the crowd. We can get so caught up in, oh, man, the church is growing, and, oh, man, things are going good with me and my family, and things are great. And we get so caught up in, in oh, Jesus has been speaking to us in our small group. We've been studying well, and, all, and that's great. Those things are incredible, and I'm grateful for a church, to be a part of a church that's growing, and God is moving. But here's what I know. We can't allow, allow the, the crowds of people to cause us to miss those that are far from God within the people. Jesus skims over the whole crowd. There were people in this, in this crowd that loved Jesus. There were people in the crowd that were dedicated followers of Jesus, and yet he saw Zacchaeus. That, what does this show us? It shows us this, that God's heart is for people. God's heart is for people, for all people, no matter what the color no matter what the background, no matter what the age, 
no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the sin. He loves all people. The Bible says in John 3, 16, you know it, for God so loved the He loved the world. It doesn't say, for God so loved the believer. For God so loved the one that memorized every scripture. For God so loved the one that prays every day. Am I saying those things are bad? Of course not. What I'm trying to get you to understand and what I want all of us to understand is for God so loved the world. He loves those that are far from him just like he loves those that are close to him. And Jesus comes on the scene in Matthew chapter 22 and he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind and with all your soul and all your strength. And he says, for this is the, the first and greatest commandment. Then check this out. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Interesting. He says, hey, I want you to know the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He said, but, don't, don't period it, but there's a second which is equally important, and that is to love your neighbor. It doesn't say to love your other Christians. Love just people that believe in him. It says to love your neighbor, the people in our circles, in our worlds that are Christians and that are not Christians. We are to love them the same. Why? Because it's his heart. His heart is for people. And what Jesus was trying to show us in this text is this. If my heart is for people, then so should yours be. If his heart is for the lost, our heart should be as well. If his heart was for people that were far from him, so should ours. But we can get so caught up in our little Christian circles, y'all know, where we're hanging out and literally we get to the place of where there's nobody around us in community with us that doesn't know God. So then we live in this Christianese bubble. And we're clueless. And this is why I love this. There's this huge bubble around Jesus. And Jesus goes beyond the bubble. He sees someone who's far from him and said, hey, I see you. We have to be a people that see and have the heart that God had. God has the heart for people. And I think a lot of times, if we're being real with each other, I think a lot of times we don't focus on people that are far from God because we're more focused on his hand than his heart. We're more focused on God providing for us. We're more focused on God giving us the relationship. We're more focused on us having joy. We're more focused on us being saved. We're more focused on our family. And that's all great. But that's his hand. That's his blessing. He wants us to focus on his heart, which is people. Now, it starts in the home. It starts in the home. Let me tell you something. If you want to be a disciple maker, it starts in your home. I'm not saying get outside the home first. It starts first in the home, but it can't stop in the home. I think we get so focused on his hand that we forget his heart. And his heart is for people. So here's the question that we have to ask ourselves. Are we seeing people as though Christ does? Do we have the same heart for others as Christ does? Or are we so consumed with our circles that we miss the opportunity to show people the love of Jesus? Luke chapter 19 and verse five, it says, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. He said, Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. He calls him by name. I love this. 
Jesus makes it personal. I wrote this down. Believers want their name to be known. Disciples want to know the names of others. It's so easy to get caught up in the world of we want people to see us. We want people to know us. We want people to follow us. We want people to, to see what we're doing and where we're going and what we're saying. And we want people to, to know who we are. And, and, and Jesus comes and he flips the script. He says, I, I, I don't care if you know my name is Jesus or not. He says, I want you to know, I know your name. Your name is Zacchaeus. He's making it personal. I, I believe this. I think the greatest way to share the good news of Jesus to others around, the good news, the gospel of Christ, I think the greatest way to do that is through relationship through personal relationship, getting around people and getting to know them. This is why, I believe God knows this. This is why God puts all of us in different spheres, different worlds. We're all in the same world, planet, but we all have different worlds we're in. Why? Because there are people that you can reach through relationship that I personally will never be able to reach. Why? Because you know them by name. I could go in your office tomorrow. I can come hang out with you. I get on the phone. I get on a Zoom call with you. And we get together, we start talking. I'm not going to be like, hey, Jimmy. Hey, Jenny. Hey, sister, bro. Hey, if I start calling him Jimmy, the dude's like, oh, that's not my name. My name's Zach. Oh, oh, that's all right. I'll just call you Jimmy. Just go with you. Well, here's the thing. There's no personal relationship. Here's the difference. You know what his name is. You know what her name is. And so there's this personal connection. And the easiest way to share the, the, our faith and share the good news is through personal relationship. Jesus knew this. He says, I want you to know, I know you. Your name is Zacchaeus. It's the same thing for you and I. He puts us in these worlds that we have these people that we know them by name and we have a relationship with them. This is where it's important that we open up and we begin to share the good news with those around us in that sphere or that of world that God, of influence that God has given us. And there's all kind of lies about why we don't share our faith. I hear them all the time. I hear people say, oh, I just don't know enough about the Bible. I just, I, I, I don't necessarily know enough, and so I don't know enough scripture, and, you know, I don't, I don't want to say the wrong thing. And Well, that's where the personal relationship comes. Because personal relationship, you can say, listen, I don't know everything, but I do want you to know this. Jesus loves you, because I know he loves me. This is where a personal relationship comes in. You don't have to know. You can say, I don't know everything, but I do know this. There's a God. I don't, I don't know why this is happening, but I do know there's a God that does know, and only can I pray for you. It's personal relationship. Personal relationship, I believe, is the greatest way to create an opportunity, to build, relation, to, to, to build an opportunity, to create an open door where you are able to share the good news. But this is where it comes. Are we inviting people into our worlds? Are we inviting people into our space of our sphere of influence where we are allowing them to know us and build relationship with us so that we can create an opportunity to share the good news of who he is? It's like at this table. I know y'all been wondering what this table is up here. I'm glad you asked. And here's what happened. It's like if I sit at this table. See, we were, the Bible says we were lost. And when we believe, God makes us alive. And the Bible says that we're all welcome. We all have an invitation to God's table. But the Bible says when we all have this invitation, but we have to accept that invitation. We accept by believing in him. Then I'm, I'm welcomed at his table. I have a seat at his table. So now I'm sitting at his table. Now here's what happens. Now I understand that I don't deserve to be at the, this table. I don't deserve to be at God's table. 
When we get to heaven one day, there's going to be a great feast. The feast will be, we'll all sit around the great throne, the feast, and we'll all party because we all made it with Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Now, and here, you're going to have a personal seat with your name on it. And here's what happens. We all know, if you're, if you're a, a true Christian, you know, we don't deserve that seat. There's nothing we could do to earn this seat. There's not, not, not an amount of money, we, not a amount, amount of money we can pay for this seat. There's nothing we can do to get to this seat. There's no amount of prayers or scriptures we know or church services we attend. We never deserve this seat. But it's because of his grace that we now have are welcomed at his table. And so here's what happens. Now we sit at the table with this grateful heart knowing we don't deserve it. Now, here's what happens. Because I don't deserve it, now what happens is now I know everybody else around me, they don't, they, they, I don't look at them and say, well, why is so-and-so here? Or why is so-and-so coming? Oh, well, they're not like me. No, I know I don't deserve to be here, so it keeps me from judging anybody else. But here's the problem with a lot of Christians. We get to the table, and we've been Christians for a while, and so we get comfortable at the table. Well, here's what happens. We get comfortable at the table, and then next thing you know, now we start to feel like we do deserve to be at the table. Well, you know how, many, you know how long I've been a Christian? Do you know how many Bible verses I know? <gasps> well, did you know that I didn't go to that party when everybody else did? <gasps> do you know that I pray every morning? <gasps> I read a devotional. I've read the Bible in a whole year. <gasps> oh, do you? Look at me. Now, here's what happens. The more comfortable I get at the table, the less likely I am to invite somebody else to the table because now I'm consuming myself. And here's the thing. God doesn't, never wants us to get to a place where we get caught up in being so ungrateful and entitled to think we deserve it because of something we've done that we miss welcoming those around us to his table. And here's what I know. If God's table, if God welcomes me to, to his table, then I should definitely be building relationships around me and I'm inviting others to my table. I, I, I need a little thing. Y'all four guys, y'all four guys, come up here, come up here. I need, I need, y'all sit at the table. See, you're welcome at my table, brothers and dear brothers in the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Bless God. Okay, check this out. Okay, this is what the Lord was showing me this week. Okay, they're at the table. Now, here's what happens. See, we, we know we're welcome to this table, but oftentimes this is what our tables look like. It looks like, okay, we know we're welcome to his table, but our tables are just, we're just, work, we're just hanging out with each other. We're just building community with each other. If I could tell you how many times somebody has told me they're, they're looking for community, and I believe in community. I'm all for community. I am all for building healthy relationships. But if we just get stuck at building community, now what happens is now there's no room at our table to welcome someone else. And that's never the purpose. That was never the purpose of community. The purpose of this community is to build us up and welcome others in to build them up as well. And here's what I know. If there's always space at God's table, then there surely should always be space at ours. If there's always been space, if there's a seat with your name and my name at God's table, the creator of the universe in heaven where there's perfection, if there's a seat with our names on it, oh, should there not be a seat next to us for somebody that's lost in the, on this planet? If I'm welcome, surely someone else should be welcome. And it's so important that we understand this. This is why it's so vital that we build relationship with those around us that are lost. Because we're creating space for people to be able to have a 
opportunity to be invited to his table. Here's the question we have to ask ourselves. When's the last time you've invited somebody that is far from God to your table? And I don't mean just your dinner table, I mean your life. When's the last time you got someone around you that was so far from God, didn't know God, didn't even believe the same things you believe, and you welcomed them into your life? Because this is what Jesus did. The Christians were complaining about it. They were grumbling that Jesus was with the sinner of all sinners. He said, no, 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 I want you to know I'm giving you a picture of what it looks like. I'm giving you a picture of saying it doesn't matter what their lifestyle, what their background, or even the sin. We build relationship, and through building relationship, God changes hearts. The question we have to ask ourselves, when's the last time you opened your table, my table, to those that were far from him? Because this is what Jesus has called true disciples to do. All right, thanks, y'all. Appreciate y'all. Thanks, y'all. High fives. Go, 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 go. Okay, good. Luke chapter 19 and verse 5, it says, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your house. I must be a guest in your house. I must be a guest in your house. That's pretty good. Must be a guest in your house today. It's interesting he didn't say, I must be a guest in your house tomorrow. He doesn't say, hey, I'm going to catch you. Hey, bro, see you. Catch you in three days. Hey, bro, you know what? I'm, 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 we're going to be hanging. We're going to be doing our thing. I'm going to see you in a few hours, a few, a few, a few a weeks. I got to be in your house. I must today. Let me show it to you. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. When he saw the multitudes, we just read it, he was moved with compassion for them. He was moved with compassion. The prodigal son's story, it says, when this prodigal son returns home to his father in Luke chapter 15 and verse 20, while he was a still a long way off, his father saw him coming and filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. He says, I must be in your home today. I wrote this down. Believers show concern. Disciples show compassion. Compassion is this concept of I'm moved to action. It's interesting, oftentimes we get concerned about the lost. We get, we're concerned about those that are far from God. It's almost like when you get in, you, you're on the interstate. This actually happened to me last night. We're on the interstate and you're driving and you see all these police cars, everybody's slowing down. There's all these police cars and there's someone that's in an accident somewhere. And so everybody slows down. Everybody, y'all know as you drive, everybody's like trying to see what's happening. And if we're real spiritual, we may, as we're driving by, we may even say a prayer for them. Oh, Lord, protect the person that was in that car. Oh, Lord, heal that person. Lord, I pray, I pray your, your divine supernatural uh, provision and protection over them. And we drive on by. We show concern for that person. Here's the problem about that. We drive on. 20 minutes later, we forget all about them. Compassion says I show concern, but then I'm moved to action to help. It's like this one time we were driving on the interstate, 
and about 100 yards, and literally driving on the 70 miles an hour, about 20, uh, about 100 yards in front of us, this white car, he starts to fishtail on the interstate, fishtails all the way across one side into the median, and then literally starts spinning around all the way into the section with the trees, hits the trees, all within 100 yards of us, never seen anything like it, hits the trees, and then spins a few times and stops. Compassion is this. It did, I didn't have to think, hmm, I wonder if I should just pray for them. I wonder if we should slow down and then like, man, I hope they're okay. No, we immediately pulled over. We didn't, we, I've never been in any type of medical field situation in my life. I, we had no idea what to do, but compassion moved us to help. Both people had been flung from the cars. They're laying in different areas. We're, we're, we're trying to check on them, make sure they're okay. You got people from all over pulling over to check on them. We're checking in the car to see if there's any kids. We're doing everything we can. We're calling 911. And here's what's interesting. No one told us to do that. We just were moved with compassion to help. It's interesting because a lot of times this is how it should be with us as Christians to those that are far from God. We should be moved to help, not just invite to the, to the table. Inviting to the table is great, but here's what oftentimes we do. We invite to the table, and then we never mention Jesus. You can't just invite people to the table. We got to create opportunities and talk, to talk about Jesus because we may not know everything. That's totally fine. But you had this urgency because you know that there is an eternity and there is a God who loves them. And so you want to help them. And so you want to be moved with compassion. If you saw someone in their home and their house was on fire, their roof was on fire, and you saw them through the window. They were downstairs. You wouldn't, have to, you wouldn't stop and say, I wonder if I should help them. No, you would have this urgency that would move you to go and knock on the door. Hey, you got to get out of there. That's the way it should be for us as Christians, that we would have this urgency to knock on people's hearts, build relationship, but then knock on their hearts with planting seeds about who Jesus is and what he's done in our lives. I pray that this does not come across as a condemning message. That is not my heart. I pray this doesn't come across as you feeling like you're not good enough or you haven't done enough or, or that I'm thinking, I'm saying you, you, you're not telling people about Jesus. Enough. That's not my heart at all. My heart is this, that we can get so caught up in our circles that sometimes we can forget the real mission and why we are here on this planet to build relationship with Jesus and to help others do the same. This is why the church exists. The name of our church is Experience Church. Why? Because our heart is to help people experience Jesus. It's why we started. It's why we'll, we'll continue on until Jesus comes back. Why? Because the mission is to populate heaven. The mission, the heart that God has is that we would, as much as we can, populate heaven. Here's the question we have to ask ourselves. And I'm talking to myself as well. What are we doing personally to populate heaven today? Not next week. Not when we know more. Not when we feel good about ourselves. Not when we make sure that we're doing all the right things and we're going to church every week. What are we doing today to populate heaven? This is what Jesus did. He says, I'm coming to your house. What are you doing? 
What am I doing? What are we doing as individuals? We can oftentimes wait for the church to be the hands and feet of Jesus. No, we are the church. God spreads us into our circles and spheres of influence to go and shine and show and share the love of Jesus with others around us. And so we have to be people that are bold enough to say, I'm willing to open up and share what Jesus has done. I love it. We have one of our guys in our small group. He's got a bunch of guys from all over the country that he went to school with, and he said some of them are Muslims, some of them are atheists, and he just said, you know what? He just felt he just felt like he wanted to have a Bible study with these guys on Zoom, and so he didn't know if anybody would go or want to go, so he he calls, texts these guys, and he's got 10 different guys. They're just studying through the book of, book of Luke. Luke. He doesn't know everything about the Bible. He'll tell you. I don't know everything about it. He's studying and learning, and here's what he's doing. He's just creating opportunities and doors for these people that are so far from God to hear about the good news of who Jesus is. This is what populating heaven is. Populating heaven is us planting seeds and then allowing God to work in people's hearts. I don't know why God uses us. To be honest, I have no clue. Y'all know we some crazy people. Out of all the, all the things he could have done to allow people to come to know him, for some reason, he chose to use us. He chose to use humans, people that are walking through all different sorts of things in life. He chose us to be the ones to have the privilege to share the good news. It's not an obligation. It's a privilege because we are actually getting to be a part of people's eternal souls and eternal destinations. Could it be? I'm going to close, I promise. Could it be that sometimes God inconveniences us with situations where we may be uncomfortable and may not know enough or we may have to go out of our way and spend an extra hour or two doing certain things to help people? Could it be that God inconveniences us at times because he desires for us to not be so self-centered? Could it be? Could it be? Could it be? that God cares more about someone's eternal soul than he does our own self-centeredness. Could it be that God cares more about someone's eternal soul so he'll inconvenience us because he knows how self-centered we are as humans. So he'll inconvenience us because he desires for us to, set, to have the same heart as he does. Here's the question we have to ask ourselves. What are we doing to populate heaven? And again, this is not a con condemning message. Oh my goodness, this is not a condemning message. In fact, I'd, I'll personally tell you as a pastor, I, I don't know if I could be more proud of a church that shares the good news of Jesus that invites people and invites friends and brings so this is not a this is not a oh you should be doing more that's not it at all in fact i'm i'm like blown away at the heart of our church of people that desire to share the good news i'm just saying for us to always remember the goal is to continue to always have a true disciple of one that has the perspective of my goal is to to populate heaven not populate a church the goal is not to have a big church the goal is to have a big heaven. And so as believers, 
the desire to be disciples. Here's the question we have to continue, continue to ask ourselves. What are we personally doing to populate heaven? It should be the perspective in how we live our lives. It's what Jesus did. And the craziest thing, oh, is it crazy? Christians start complaining about it. Why? Because human nature doesn't want to be inconvenienced. And so here's what we'll do. God, give me the opportunity to shine for you today. And here comes so-and-so who's Miss Drama Queen at work, and she starts crying. She's like, I need to talk to you. And you're like, oh, not today. I have so many things to do. Would you just come back tomorrow or never? <laughs> We're cooking up our steaks on our day off and feeling good, flipping them. And somebody calls you, hey, man, I just want you to know, somebody at work, hey, I just want you to know, I got a flat tire. I don't know how it's a call. Uh, like, uh, you, you think you could help me out? Where are you at? Oh, I'm in Quincy. Bro, you sure you ain't got like AAA or something? <laughs> Could it be that God sometimes creates opportunities for us to be inconvenienced because he knows human nature is about self and he's trying to get us with, to have the perspective that he has and that is eternal souls. Because to be honest, that's all we're bringing. You're not bringing your money. You're not bringing your cars. You're not bringing your home. You're not bringing anything that we own. Oh, here's what we're bringing. We're bringing the people that we've influenced for Jesus. We're not gonna get to heaven and be like, man, God, phew. you see that house? I built it with my own hands. He's gonna be like, uh, did you see the mansion I built you? Okay, yeah, that's a little better. <laughs> and so here's the challenge. What are we personally doing today to populate heaven? Who's at your table that you've invited? And that's great. If you have people around you that are lost, that are, you've invited around your table, that's incredible. But then here's the next step. What are we doing to share the good news with those people? Yeah, I know they know you're a Christian. I understand that. That's great. I love that but are we continually actively praying for them and seeking open doors to ask them ways we can be praying for them, ways that we could be, be there for them, ways that we could share about who Jesus is and what he's done in our lives? Because I'm telling you, it's not an obligation of we have to or we're bad Christians. No, it's just a, we desire to have the same heart that he has. And his heart is for people. His heart for people, all people. If it's his heart, shouldn't it be ours? Let us be a church, O-M-G. Let us be a church that never stops sharing the good news of who Jesus is. No matter where we go, no matter how inconvenient it is, let us always be a people continually and constantly share the good news. This is what I believe truly is a quality of a disciple. Let's walk it out. Let's live it out. 
Let's share it out. Let's shine it out. Don't have to have all the right words. Don't have to have their life completely in order. Don't have to be a certain age. Don't have to be in a certain environment. No, God, as I walk with you, create opportunities for me to share the good news of who you are. Why? Because we know it's your heart, so we want it to also be our heart. Amen? Would you stand with me as we pray today? God, I thank you so much. for.